Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. It's Tuesday, April 12th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Men at a Missouri prison are preparing for life after their release by training to be computer programmers. I'm looking at commercials and I'm seeing how everything has advanced since I've been incarcerated. You know, I don't want to be left behind in society. St. Louis Public Radio's Shayla Farzan will have that story in just a few minutes. St. Louis Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner has admitted she violated rules of professional conduct during her 2018 prosecution of then-Governor Eric Greitens. That admission emerged from yesterday's disciplinary panel hearing. St. Louis Public Radio's Rachel Lippman has more. In a document filed moments before the hearing began, Gardner says she did not properly turn over evidence to Greitens' defense attorneys and failed to correct mistakes in court filings. In remarks made during the hearing, Gardner thanked the panel for its work. She says her office has made changes to how it handles discovery because of the Greitens case. In this case, um, there were some things that were not done in the best, but I take accountability as the leader and hopefully... You know, my office can get past this. The state and Gardner have agreed to ask for a reprimand, the lowest level of official discipline. The hearing panel will issue its decision in 30 days. The state Supreme Court will have the final say. I'm Rachel Lippman, St. Louis Public Radio. Three people from the St. Louis area were sentenced yesterday for their roles in last year's insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. William Mary of St. Louis County, Lake St. Louis resident Paul Westover, and Emily Hernandez of Sullivan all faced less than two months in prison. Mary and Westover received sentences of 45 days in prison, while Hernandez will serve 30 days. They were inside the U.S. Capitol during the insurrection. A photograph showing them in a crowd with a broken piece of a sign from House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's office was widely distributed on social media. Illinois lawmakers have expanded the state's Medicaid program to provide coverage for more undocumented residents. But some say this does not go far enough. Mawa Iqbal reports. The Healthy Illinois campaign had its first big win in 2020 when Governor J.B. Pritzker extended coverage to residents 65 and up. This latest move affects people 42 and up. But director of the campaign, Tovia Siegel, says those aged 19 to 41 and anyone who needs long-term care are still left out. We don't believe that immigrants or people who are undocumented should have a second-rate program that has fewer services than what citizens receive. About 27,000 more people would become eligible under this measure, but it still needs the governor's signature. I'm Mawa Iqbal. Illinois is taking steps to help homeowners hurt financially by the pandemic. It has launched the Illinois Homeowner Assistance Fund. People behind on house payments, property taxes, insurance, and rent for mobile homes could be eligible for grants up to $30,000. A family of four can earn up to $84,000 a year to be eligible. People can apply online through the Illinois Housing Development Authority or get help from local agencies. A 5,000-square-foot birth and postpartum center focusing on black women is coming to Ferguson. As St. Louis Public Radio's Chad Davis reports, the leaders of the Jamaa Birth Village say the facility will help address racial disparities in postpartum care. The Jamaa Birth Village Birth Center and Postpartum Retreat Haven will include three water birthing suites and four buildings where people who deliver their babies can stay up to seven days. 
The project is an expansion of the nearby Jamal Birth Village. It will include access to doulas and newborn care specialists and a garden for growing food. Okinshola Amadou is founder and director of Jamal Birth Village. She says socioeconomic and systemic racism often leads to maternal deaths after birth. We're stopping that and we're providing that solution and we're going to take care of them for that week and we're going to make sure we educate whoever's going to be taking care of them when, when they get home so that them and their babies can thrive and not just survive childbirth. Construction on the center will begin this spring. I'm Chad Davis, St. Louis Public Radio. Almost half of all people released from prison in Missouri return within five years. Research shows prison education can help break that cycle. A St. Louis nonprofit is betting on this approach by training the next generation of computer programmers while they are incarcerated. St. Louis Public Radio's Shayla Farzan reports. On a recent afternoon in March, 15 men stood at the front of a cavernous beige room, each wearing a blue satin graduation cap. The mood was jovial as they whipped off their caps and tossed them in the air, surrounded by friends and family. The men had completed a six-month class in web development and programming with LaunchCode, a St. Louis nonprofit that provides free technology education. Thousands of students have taken the course over the years, but this graduating class is different. The students are all incarcerated at Missouri Eastern Correctional Center, a men's prison about 30 miles west of St. Louis. One of the students, Corey Pride, has been in prison for almost two decades. Programming takes me away from any chaos that's going on. Like, I can zone in and lose hours at a time just programming. Pride didn't know much about coding before taking this class, but he's learned quickly. Sometimes he gets so focused on his assignments that he'll work all night, the glow of his laptop the only light in his cell. Learning how to code has given Pride the tools to tackle a problem that he and many other incarcerated parents have faced, how to stay up to date on their children's progress in school. He built an app that he wished he had years ago, one that would allow parents to follow assignments and grades in real time. You automatically linked up with your student, your child. So as we uh, scroll down here, we were able to see all of the classes that the child is enrolled in and their current grade. Decades of research shows educational programs prepare incarcerated people for life after prison and can help prevent them from returning. An inmate who takes an educational course has about a 40 percent lower chance of returning to prison, according to the U.S. Department of Justice. Haley Schof is the vice president of justice programs at LaunchCode. She says the web development course is designed to help prepare incarcerated people for jobs in the tech industry. There's just a huge amount of hunger and aptitude and excitement from incarcerated students for learning these skills, both as a personal development skill building opportunity and also as they think about moving forward into the world. But Shof says this program is about more than job readiness training. Learning how to code can help students think about how they might address challenges in their world. For student Avis Heyman, taking the programming class at the prison was especially difficult because he had never touched a computer before. It was always hard blocks and things that I didn't understand. Errors just popping up everywhere on my laptop. And I had no idea of where to do it or how to start it or go back and fix things. Oh, it was a mess. 
Some days were so challenging that Heyman says he thought about quitting. But every small step, learning how to type, how to navigate new programming languages, gave him enough momentum to keep going. Heyman is up for parole in two years, and he says learning how to code has made him feel more prepared for life outside of prison. I'm looking at commercials and I'm seeing how everything is, has advanced since I've been incarcerated. You know, I don't want to be left behind in society. Some formerly incarcerated coding students are already navigating this transition. Chris Santillian participated in a pilot program through LaunchCode at Potosi Correctional Center. He left prison in February after 27 years behind bars. He's now working at a tech startup that designs learning management systems for people in prison. With everything in my life being brand new, the one thing that has remained consistent is that I have this job. Santillian says he's slowly rebuilding his life, a process that could be overwhelming. But he's trying to think about it like he's designing a computer program, step by step. If I were to take that 10,000-foot view and just say, hey, how do I fit in with the world? Uh, you know, it would paralyze me. But if I can take it, you know, down into simple chunks, like, okay, you know what? I have a morning routine. Or how do I clean the kitchen? It's not as scary because I've already formed these tiny little milestones. Pretty soon, Santillian says, all of those little pieces will add up and he'll have a whole life. I'm Shayla Farzan, St. Louis Public Radio. Our David Casares edited that report. Shulin Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. This has been The Gateway. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.